Welcome to NCFM Today, a podcast about family medicine in the Old North State. I'm your host, Greg Griggs. This month, we'll be discussing a family physician's efforts to combat diabetes in North Carolina and her work with the North Carolina Medical Society Foundation on the state's diabetes-free North Carolina program. Diabetes Free NC is a statewide initiative to prevent type 2 diabetes. Numerous organizations across the state are working together to increase awareness of prediabetes and encourage physicians to refer patients to a diabetes prevention program. For additional information, you can visit reverseprediabetesnc.org. At the end of our program, we'll provide a few quick updates from the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians. Joining us is Dr. Karen L. Smith, a family physician from Rayford, North Carolina, who is a past president of the NCAFP and is a current board member of the North Carolina Medical Society. We're also joined by Franklin Walker, vice president of Rural Health Systems Innovation for the North Carolina Medical Society Foundation. Thanks to each of you for joining us. Dr. Smith, uh, first, can you tell our listeners what the impact of diabetes is on North Carolina? Thank you so much for allowing me to come and to speak about diabetes mellitus, a condition that all of us are definitely dealing with in our practices. Well, in North Carolina, we have 798,000 people who are diagnosed with diabetes. And our population is 8.2 million people, but even that number is, is too high, too many people. When we look at the impact of diabetes mellitus on our population, just an average, the average cost per year for one individual with diabetes is $9,600, actually about 2.3 times higher and medical expenses than those who don't have diabetes. But what is that total cost of burden? And we calculated this. We have the numbers from the year 2017. We're looking at $327 billion in terms of healthcare expenditures, $237 billion. That was in direct costs alone. And then what about that reduced productivity? People weren't able to live and work. That's a lot of money that we are seeing. Pre-diabetes, what is it? 84 million people in this country have pre-diabetes, but do we all know about it? Not quite. And so when we look at our clinical diagnosis in terms of what is pre-diabetes, and I'm gonna spend a minute on this because I want everyone to take this point away. When we measure our hemoglobin A1C, that's between 5.7 and 6.4, and a fasting plasma glucose between 100 and 125, or the oral glucose tolerance test between 140 and 199, that's prediabetes. And we're all getting those hemoglobin A1Cs and these tests on our adult patients particularly if we're managing other conditions. So that's what prediabetes is. So Dr. Smith, when somebody comes into your office, 
what are you using to try to identify them? If you get their A1C, yes, but are there other tools that you are using to try to identify those patients who may be at risk for prediabetes? That's a great question because there are two different ways in which we're doing this. And one is using the principles of population health medicine. What does that mean? We actually make our EHR work and it does. And so what we're able to do is to plug in all of those variables for prediabetes. And then we ask the computer, identify each one of those individuals who meet that criteria. We did that. Our system kicked out 1,581 people. I had no idea had prediabetes. But we also use a questionnaire that we can give in the exam room. Any of our staff can complete. That helps us to make the diagnosis. And we also look at, look at those individuals who are at risk for getting prediabetes. The family history, very important. And what about those medical conditions like polycystic ovarian syndrome or women who have had gestational diabetes? And then we know that there are some ethnic groups that also seem to have a tendency of having more diabetes. We try to stay away from race-based medicine. But in this instance, we're just looking at those groups who have a tendency of having pre-diabetes that leads to diabetes. I know one thing you look for is a person's BMI. Is that an indicator that somebody may be pre-diabetic? That's an excellent indicator. And it's actually a grade B recommendation. So if we screen all of our adults age 40 to 70 and who have a BMI greater than 25, and if they are Asian background greater than 23, And we use those three tools, remember? I said the fasting glucose, the hemoglobin A1C, and the glucose tolerance test, and we put all of that together. How frequent do we want to do this? At least one time every three years. That helps us to identify who these individuals are with prediabetes before they have diabetes. So, once you uh, have identified a patient who may be pre-diabetic, what's the strategies you use to manage them? What's sort of the next steps? This is where that doctor-patient relationship comes into play because we have to have that heart-to-heart conversation. And we have to let them know, you have pre-diabetes and I don't want you to get diabetes. That's the first part of it. Establish that rapport with your patient because we are going to give them something that will make a difference. And that's the Diabetes Prevention Project. I need for them to buy into the idea that we're going to do something to help them make a difference, something that makes sense. So, Franklin, uh, a lot of people are partnering on Diabetes Free North Carolina and the state's Diabetes Prevention Program. I know the Academy is involved, but who else is involved in this effort to try to, you know, diagnose and then get people into diabetes prevention programs? Sure, Greg. But first, let me thank you for having me today. I've really enjoyed this session so far. Um, we have a lot of partners in Diabetes Free NC. There's the American Medical Association, the Division of Public Health, Blue Cross Blue Shield of North Carolina, NC State University, uh, LabCorp, the Diabetes Advisory Council, the NC Division of Aging, the Office of Minority Health, the NC Health Plan, United Healthcare, 
UNC Asheville, Wake Forest Baptist, the Alliance of the North Carolina YMCA's, um, the FQHC's, and finally, of course, the Medical Society. So it's a robust consortium. So we're all working together. So the, the big thing is getting folks really into treatment, uh, really into prevention is what we're trying to do. When someone like Dr. Smith has this patient identified, gets them bought into doing something, how do they make a referral to a diabetes prevention program and what kind of feedback can they expect? Sure. Um, there are several options. Um, the first one is the DPP Navigator, which is housed at the Division of Public Health, which is really just a call center where a patient that uh, Dr. Smith had referred would call in and then the navigators would help place them in the most appropriate DPP for them, whether it was an in-person or a virtual uh, class. And then there is, of course, is NC Care 360, which is the electronic referral system developed by DHHS, which is statewide. Um, and then, of course, you can directly refer to the YMCA just by calling them or to North Carolina State University has an online option. Um, but lastly, the Medical Society developed the OCHI software, which resides at the YMCA's health coaches. And so Dr. Smith can actually direct message out of her EHR to the OCHI platform, which will catch it. Um, and uh, then return that information electronically. Um, and you asked about the feedback. As I said, Ochi gives it back to you electronically. The navigator apparently will call you as a doctor, call you back and let you know if your patients have enrolled and what their progress is. And um, I think that's really how they get the feedback. Kind of to both of y'all here, you know, how many diabetes prevention programs are going on in the state? And if somebody goes to a DPP program at the at a Y or an NC State, kind of what can they expect to get out of it? What does that look like for a, a patient that you refer? Well, I tell you, the, the good part about that is it's, it's a, uh, a multi, um, multi-component program. So we get trained lifestyle coaches. There's an emphasis on prevention and empowerment for a personalized action plan. I can tell you my patients are not going to buy into eating rice cakes and tofu. So we need something personalized, something that they will buy into. But, you know, the curriculum that's delivered has actually been tested by CDC and it's approved by CDC. So we know it's going to work. We have the data. And the quality assurance has also come from the CDC. So there's a lot. Patients actually like it. And I've had my folks come back and say, you know, that's one of the better things that you've advised. And I said, thank you. And so this is a program that we know is well received by our patients. And Franklin, are these all over the state? Are they virtual? Are they in person? What do they look like? Sure. Yes, they are all over the states. Most of the YMCA locations across the state are delivering both an in-person and virtual program now. And as I mentioned, NC State has had their virtual program as well. So you can you can reach any of those programs statewide. 
So, Franklin, if a physician or another clinician wants to get involved, how can they participate? What would you recommend do? If one of our listeners wants to, you know, sure. contact you or get involved, what, what do they do? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have two recommendations. One is that they visit the North Carolina DPH website for information on the Navigator. Um, they also have some great information that's downloadable that doctors can give to their patients. And then secondly, I would recommend that they visit the North Carolina Medical Society's Foundation's Community Health Initiative website um, for information on the OCHI platform and referral and the NC Care 360 information we have up there. We have patient information to download. And we also have something called Take the Pledge, which Dr. Smith and her team of physician champions have all done by affixing her name to the website, which means that Dr. Smith is one of those that's supporting um, these, these efforts across the state. And then finally, there's a link to something called the AMA's ROI calculator, which estimates the medical cost savings of prioritizing diabetes prevention for your patients. Um, and it's pretty cool. And I think Dr. Smith can probably speak to that from a clinician's perspective. At this point in time, when all of us are in the value-based payment models, whether it's through our accountable care organizations or our Medicare shared savings program, we need to know how much does it cost? And does it make a difference if we do a program of this nature? I encourage you, play with that return on investment calculator. I plugged in our patient population using the EHR. It's really helping me these days. And the numbers were astounding. I mean, I'm talking over $300,000 in savings just for our patient population alone. Now, if you're part of an ACO, we're talking serious shared savings. But better yet, we don't want to always talk cash, right? We want to talk about the quality of care for our patients. And that's what I saw. I said, there's a lot of quality of care that we're providing for our patients just by identifying pre-diabetes. That's great points. I really appreciate both of y'all. Any last words for our listeners on a on a, about diabetes-free NC or diabetes prevention plans from either of you? My last comments, if we can all take a stand together, we can make a difference for the health and well-being for the people of North Carolina. And I think we can come out and really, really show that pre-diabetes can be controlled in North Carolina, and we're going to have something to talk about. Thank you for allowing me to participate, and I look forward to working with you. So, Franklin, any last words from you? No, we just encourage all the physicians that may be listening to this to visit our website and find out how you can engage and hopefully refer your patients to some of these programs. Thank you. Well, thanks to both of y'all for being on today. That's been Dr. Karen L. Smith, a family physician from Rayford, who is a past president of the NCFP and now on the board of the North Carolina Medical Society. And Franklin Walker, the Medical Society's vice president for rural health systems innovations. physicians. The majority of NCFP members precept medical students, residents, or other health professional students. 
but 75% received no compensation or dedicated time for teaching. The NCFP is undertaking several efforts to encourage dedicated teaching time and or increased payment for community preceptors. The NCFP, along with several other organizations, is advocating for legislation that would direct the NCAHEC program to study the supply of community preceptors, the changes in demand for preceptors caused by new health professional programs or enlarged class sizes, and most importantly, barriers that community preceptors face. The legislation would also provide funding for a pilot project for dedicated teaching time for cl clinicians of a few federally qualified health centers in particularly underserved areas of our state. We know that early exposure to rural and underserved clinical sites has a profound influence on where medical students ultimately practice. And this study and pilot would be two small steps to increase clinical opportunities for medical students in these areas of our state. If passed, we hope this legislation would lead to much broader public policy action to ensure our community preceptors have the time and resources they need to teach health professional students. Look for more information in the near future. The NCFP is also continuing to work to get COVID-19 vaccines to you for your patients and your communities. We know family physicians are key to combating vaccine hesitancy, and recently, Governor Roy Cooper even stated that himself. In a visit to an independent family medicine practice in Gastonia, Cooper noted, people trust their family doctor. Cooper, along with State Health Director Elizabeth Tilson, visited the practice to learn how they were vaccinating their patients and combating hesitancy. More recently, Cooper, along with House Speaker Tim Moore, Senate President Pro Tem Phil Berger and others released a bipartisan video urging all North Carolinians to get their COVID-19 vaccine. Thanks again for joining us for the April edition of NCFM Today. You can find NCFM Today on the Apple Store or Google Stores, on Spotify, or wherever you subscribe to podcasts. You can also find it on our website at www.ncafp.com. Dot com. Until next month, this is Greg Griggs. <laughs>